You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy, and you're listening to my podcast, Vox and Hops, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians and talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Super stoked, super excited, super proud to have reached episode 100. I remember when I started this, when I reached episode 10, episode 20, episode 50, episode 100 just seems so far away, but here we are. We got there together. There would be no Vox and Hops podcast if it wasn't for all of you Vox and Hops heads out there listening to the podcast, supporting me, sending me kind words, sending me some brews. All of the musicians that have been a part of this, allowing me to do Vox and Hops has been just monumental and appreciated. I love you all. Thank you so, so, so much. I am eternally grateful to anyone who has sat down with me, shared a beer with me, and shared their story with me and all of you Vox and Hops heads. A huge, huge cheers to everyone. Crack open a beer. Sit back. Enjoy yourselves. This is Vox and Hops, episode number 100. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy, and you are listening to Vox and Hops episode number 100. And I'm with a guest that I've wanted to have a very, very long time. Since the inception of this podcast, I have wanted to sit down and have a conversation with Mr. Flo Mounier, the drummer of Cryptopsy and Ultimas. How are you, brother? I'm good. I'm good. Coming coming back from the uh, few days of holidays and trying to get my uh, mind and body back into shape. <laughs> it's it's always uh, a tough balance. <laughs> Staying so fit is something that you've accomplished over the years. Let's t- let's touch just a little bit on that. Uh, how much work goes into becoming Flo Mounier, staying in Flo Mounier shape? How many days do you work out? Let's talk about that. Um, good question. Uh, I, I try to do a minimum of five days a week, which would be kind of training and resistance training, and equally so on the drums. Um, but it's always a balance with life and what's thrown at you. Um, I try. <laughs> it, it does take a lot of work because, you know, some things are natural and some things aren't. And um, since it's an extreme music, as everybody knows, well, you have to maintain it, you know, and especially at a certain age, you want to always progress and be at your best. So, yeah. But, you know, as long as everything stays fun and it's not a chore, I think that's that's the healthy mentality to have. How flexible are you? In taking days off, do you allow yourself to take days off? Is there is there a moment where it's annoying to go to the gym, but then you get there and it just works out? Same thing, either sitting down at the drum set. Yeah, here's what days off are. Uh, <laughs> days off are a necessity to to recover, but when days off start to accumulate, it's always very hard to get back at it, or much harder to get back at it. Uh, so I don't really like days off. Um, and I try not to do them. So yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. It's a weird science, and it's very mental too, more so probably than than physical. So I try to avoid getting distracted as much as possible. 
at what point did uh, working out become such a big part of your life? Were you someone that, like, in high school, you were hitting the gyms with your friends? It's just something you always liked? Yeah, it's pretty much something I've always liked. I remember when I was, like, eight or nine, you know, at my, uh, you know, going to visit my grandmother and having nothing to really work out with and then going to fill up some pails of water and carving out a long stick so that the pails would groove into the stick and just, you know, working out like that and trying to do stupid things. Um, but as most things, I've always been kind of self-taught until, you know, um, my mid to late 20s. So, um, but I've always kind of enjoyed it. I've always kind of liked you know, just being fit and... Did it start off as like an aesthetic thing that you wanted to look a certain way? Because I know at this point of your life, because we know each other, that a lot of your working out actually is goes hand in hand with improving your drumming, maintaining your drumming. Right. So when did that transition happen from just working out because you like the feeling of it, the aesthetic that you received right. due to that workout and, and then realizing that actually did some benefits on the drums? So that realization, I think, happened in my mid-30s so much later on um, in life and I just you know after trying out every every pedal that there was <laughs> like most people relate to there's no um, secrets right right there's no secrets and it's all about your body composition and some people are made a certain way and others are not so some people have to work harder on the feet than on the hands and vice versa and etc cetera, etc cetera. and then endurance comes into play and so it's an uh, it's always an ongoing search and it's a trial and error thing that um, um, I like to dabble with. I think that I'm at a, a level right now where I'm, I pretty much know what I have to do. It's just uh, you know trying to get away from from uh, the things that would hinder that evolution, which is you know just not always easy, but something I uh, look to do. What would be some of those things that hinder? Just life in general, traveling. Uh, which come with the job. You know, which, yeah, which, which, which do come with the job. The situations, the, the availability of... Uh, putting the work uh, in. Uh, uh, equipment and then putting the work in. And also mentally, you know, just turning that, that off and just saying, well, no, I just I don't want to do anything. I want to spend time with my family and um, enjoy that, which is... Uh, a more more common thing uh, in my life, but then again, luckily, like I just said, that I've achieved a certain level where I know what to, I have to do, and so it's not really um, a trial and error thing anymore. I either do it or I don't, and it's it's my bad if I don't, and it's good if I do. Going from tour to tour, I know that you're always exactly what you're saying, trying things out. Your workouts change just a little bit before the sets. I, I think it's very adamant of you that you've always pushed yourself to try to be the best. You guys, you guys. When I say you guys, I mean Cryptopsy mm -hmm. in general. Could have rested on their laurels and just kept writing non so vile cookie cutter albums, but you guys didn't do that. You guys went and pushed yourselves even further, which is what you've done with your drumming all, your whole life. I find that very interesting. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're at Mabarasri. This is one of uh, my favorite tap rooms. It is very kid friendly. They are a co op brewery, so a bunch of breweries brew here. Right behind you, you got the whole brew room with all the equipment, and there's the, a whole bunch of people brew here, such as uh, Mabarasri. City, uh, Boswell, Noir et Blanche from Saint Eustache, uh, Brouhaha brews here. Uh, you got Bira, which brews here. So it's it's a whole 
conglomerate of people that all brew under one roof. Today we are drinking a Hefenweizen because Flo likes white beers. I've slowly been pushing him <laughs> towards craft beer. It's been an arduous process, but he he's, 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 has accepted the white beers. Let's see what this sucker. This is a Blanche de Fermentation Haute, so it's a high fermentation white beer, 4.8% from Malwasi. Cheers. Cheers, man. It's nice and smooth. A little bite of hops at the end, but then it smooths right out again. It's got a nice uh, light yellow, almost opaque, but somewhat translucent color. A nice white head. Let's talk about beer. Let's go. Let's move into beer. We'll come see, back to Brum. See, see, I like this. Good. See, I'm happy. I'm happy. Let's talk about because for many, many years, you didn't like craft beer. You didn't think craft beer was beer. Um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's not that I don't think craft beers are beer there's a there's a certain like um old school logic to this theory well i enjoy another sip of this one hang on because when i get started that's it <laughs> <laughs> i always finish my beers first on vox and hops in case you guys are wondering uh, not this time um so it, uh, it, it's like it's like this it's like coming to a restaurant and then opening up the menu and there's so many choices and you're so hungry that you can't come to a decision and you end up picking something and you get just disappointed. Beer for me has always been beer as far as something that would be refreshing. And especially like after a show, let's say, where you just put out a huge effort and you sweat, it's hot, and you come backstage and it's a cold beer and you can just kind of like drink it like as if it was water. And then you can have a couple more. And you get a little buzz. And that's what beer for me has always been like. And and then I started like drinking more um, white beers. I guess I'm just I just like um, the taste if I want to go a little bit more adventurous than Coors Light, let's say. But when it starts to get too fruity or too hopsy or it's not refreshing anymore, for me that's not beer. That's just experimenting with different ingredients um, and I've never thought of beer as something that was like so tasty that this beer goes along with with cheese, this beer goes along with meat. This like, beer, like wine would be. Like wine because I've always enjoyed wine just for that what it goes along with because I really don't drink wine other than at a meal. So um, that's just my thing and at one point I said to myself, well, if I'm going to go to um, a convenience store and get some beer for a party, I'm going to get a lot of something that I can drink a lot of because I know myself. And <laughs> sometimes in the morning, I'll have five coffees in, in about half an hour. And same goes with beer. If I get going, I could have maybe 10 beers within an hour, an hour and a half. And if I do that with craft beer, I'll probably be pretty sick. Or feeling really pasty, or you know what I mean. It's just kind of lose control almost. It, well, depends on it. De it depends on the alcohol level, obviously, because yeah. I'm pretty big on just straight up whiskey on the rocks too. And I can have a few of those and not lose control um, until I have more beer, and then I do the strong again, and then it's a, <laughs> <laughs> then it's a complete clusterfuck. But um, yeah, take me back to that first beer. Do you remember your first beer, what that experience was, who was it with? What's that story? I think if I, if I can remember correctly, the first beer, um, 
We lived in Chicago. My cousin was over for the holidays, I think, and my brother, my cousin, and I went to the the party, the keg party that the neighbors were having right right across the way. And I think I was uh, again eight or nine, and uh, we just went in, and they're like, "Hey, help yourself to the keg," and blah blah blah. Um, different different era. Yeah, different era. <laughs> and trust me, the keg wasn't a craft beer either. It was probably something like Miller, you know. Budweiser, and it, it actually went down really easily, and it, you know it wasn't like you know, and, and I think I had a few more, you know, and um, yeah, that was a, probably a rough, rough night. I don't remember the rest, but uh, yeah, I think that was my first beer experience was the the, the Chicagoan neighbors next to my house. That's pretty badass, I gotta say. I know your story. I know that you came from France, moved to Chicago, and then ended up here in Montreal. Yeah. Your parents must have had a bunch of exposures to different styles of music. Classic Vox and Hops question. What was the soundtrack to your youth? What music was playing in your parents' house? Let's go from the, uh, from the Shadows to Sputniks to the Beatles to Elvis. Some classical. Um, but it's mo- mainly that, you know, like kind of like late 50s, 60s to 70s rock. And... When I did move to Chicago at that time, around 1984, uh, we started having, you know, hanging out with friends and, um, you know, and then it became like Van Halen and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and, you know, the, the later on classic rock, if you wish. Skipped too many years, but went right along with the evolution of the uh, um, late 50s and 60s. Your parents are always super supportive. Uh, they come out to our gigs here in Montreal very frequently. They've been always been around supporting you. What was that day like when you said, I want to play drums? Was it an immediate, like, yes, we're going to get one for you? Or did you have to convince them? They were always very cool with, like, um, giving me what the, you know, the next fad was, if you wish. So, you know, oh, I want to, you know, take karate lessons. All right, I see karate lessons. Oh, I want to play soccer. Oh, let's do soccer. I want to play drums. And then, you know, my father went out and got this used Slingerland kit and just kind of like, you know, um, painted it and reskinned it to, you know, the best of his ability. And, um, and that was it. Um, it's, I think it was when I was 11 or 12 and, uh, you know, haven't really stopped since. I know that Bonham was a big influence. Was even back then, was that like the first thing that made you want to gravitate towards drums? Was it, was it like Zeppelin drumming? Who was that first drummer? Were you a kid that banged on pots and pans? Did you have rhythm always? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if any of those are, are yes questions, actually. Um, I don't think I really realized uh, influences until I had to cover the first Necrosis album. Really? Okay. And then at that point, I'm like, well, if I have to cover an album, uh, I'm going to have to listen to what the drummer's doing very, very closely. And I think that's when uh, influence started kicking in. The rest of the time before that, I think influences were more of just how it sound and what feel it put me into. Um, but... But no, there you know there was never like this one one person that um, I could idolize and say, oh, I, I have to be or sound like like him or her. Um, it, it was very progressive, and and drumming was very progressive. You know, at the point where I was uh, finishing Non So Vile, drumming was not something that I was 
completely in love with, you know? I, I, Even I, at the time of recording Nuns Oh, yeah. Really? What, what would have been some of the other passions? I don't know. You know? Um, Is it because you didn't know the band was going to make it yet? No, it hasn't, uh, you know, nothing to do with that. I think it's, it's when I started... Um, just, I think it's when I hit a level where I started feeling comfortable, really comfortable playing, that I wanted to dive deeper into it. And in diving deeper into it, I realized that, no, this this is actually really cool. This is actually really fun. And now I can like actually hit the drums a certain way and get a certain sound and blah, blah, blah. And just things started to add up. And um, Did some of that have to do with John Levassar joining the band and him pushing you to new levels? Um, or did you guys push each other? He definitely did. Um, you because know. I know that there's a history that, that John joined. Steve Tebow was the primary songwriter for most of the early stuff. Yes. Blasphemy. Yeah. John came in and just sort of added his solos to it. I, I guess everything, if you think about it, has a contributing factor to something. I'm not the kind of person who's going to pinpoint one thing and say that was it because there's too many outside influences and too many, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's almost like a butterfly effect. Everything. Yeah, there's just too many. There's just too many factors. You know what I mean? And I'm the kind of guy that's going to take things pretty smoothly when 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 that's concerned. And if I feel something, I'll feel it. And if I don't, I won't. What do I attribute it to? A combination of different things. You know? Um, that's just, and, and and life. And that's just the way things happened. Um, when I was a kid, I was very passionate about skateboarding. You know, I love skateboarding. I was very passionate about uh, playing sports, having fun with my friends, you know, even, you know, partying to a certain extent and hanging out with people I liked. Um, drumming until the, I guess, late teens to early 20s was fun. Was it a passion? No. It was just another hobby. Right. Um, and it became kind of a passion but at the same time you have to be careful with passion you have to be careful how that passion can influence you positively and negatively because a passion can quickly influence negative things into your life if you put too much time into it you know so everything has to be kind of balanced and everything in life has to be kind of balanced in order for me personally to be happy if there's too much of one thing or not enough of something that I kind of want right now because I feel like that, then I'm not happy. Um, so everything's just a, a balancing act, you know, and everything has to be kind of mediated and medium, medial uh, in order for me to enjoy myself. Does that make any sense? I, it does, absolutely, yes. And I hope to strive to find that with craft beer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want those negative aspects coming from my passion of craft right. beer slipping into my life. Right. Such as hangovers or <laughs> well, <laughs> being short it, when I shouldn't. You, you know? know, I'm the kind of guy that's going to say everything in moderation, but I'm the kind of guy who goes extreme on a lot of things as well. So, you know, just say... You know, do as I say, not not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back into to I've heard a story that Necrosis back in the day had a drummer that was doing blast beats, but it wasn't real blast beats. He was using both hands to do a blast beat. Is this correct? Yeah, I, I, I guess in in some parts. 
in some parts and you know back when you're like at, at that time like and still today like you know everybody wants the fastest drummer and you know and it, it becomes kind of a kind of weird thing but what he was doing though is adding some like different elements that other people weren't doing at the time and that, like I said that's what influenced me a lot that's because you really used to go it was a battle of the bands at John Abbott College yeah is that when you first heard of Necrosis no I saw him in a battle of the bands on uh, by this music store in the so West still, let's have that story I want your first impressions of when you first saw Necrosis oh geez well I was just like a, you know with my brother and his friend and you know we were into blues and Zeppelin and enjoying some rock and stuff like that and then these guys come up with ripped jeans and long hair and ripped flannel shirts and I'm like what the heck is this you know and they come on and they play the necrosis stuff and I was kind of like you know kind of throwing up a little bit in my mouth you know it, it wasn't for you or it, it wasn't okay. it wasn't for me but, but but they were heavy thrash almost back yeah, in the day yeah. yeah but there was something about it you know obviously because it, I just I you know I don't remember any other band you know but I do remember them then a few years later, you know, I saw my John Abbott. But before that, I already already started like you know playing thrash with the friends of mine and stuff like that. And so just to come back to the drumming, I want to mention his name, Mike Atkins. Um, you know, a lot of people ask me that. You know, who are your you know biggest influences? And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of drummers and musicians who have been huge influences. But if I have to really boil it down to one. Uh, and you know, it, sometimes it escapes my my memory, but it's really Mike Atkins, you know, the, the first Necrosis drummer because that was the first extreme drummer that you you witnessed live. The first one I had to copy, you mm -hmm. know, the first one I analyzed. And after that, I didn't analyze that many to replicate. I took bits and pieces from everybody that I enjoyed to make it my own. Yeah, you're not a guy to to like cover songs. No, that's not your thing. No. I don't enjoy it because I have, I have, and the people around me have plenty of intelligence to create something brand new that we can say it's our own. Mm -hmm. You know, take me to that. You sit down at the drum set. You've analyzed this song. Did you know that your body could physically go that fast? I've heard rumors from John Levasar that you were known as that fast drummer. I was a spaz when I was a kid. Like, I was really, like, spastic and, and all over the place. And, you know, when you pushed me, I had a, a huge ego, so I'd always want to outdo myself and just try to make everybody happy in a very sarcastic way. <laughs> and, um, and, and yeah, it, it, it kind of came natural. But I was really, you know, I played soccer. I, I played, like, soccer a lot. And, you know, so running around and sprinting. And so, I mean, the legs were definitely more there when I was a kid, you know, because, but then again, what do you have to do now? Train them to get back there. Exactly. Yeah. So um, it, was a, it was a matter of pushing each other. Because necrosis and early cryptopsy, we were very sarcastic with each other, and we were very hurtful towards each other. <laughs> so there was no, and, and and I guess it's a kind of a um, West Island English mentality, you know, kid kid mentality, and uh, we just pushed each other to be better and faster and louder, and it kind of worked, you know. Um, Do you remember that first? Necrosis, early cryptopsy show that you played. How did you feel when you get would get on stage? I don't remember that. No, no, no. I don't really remember that. 
and all I can really, you know, say about those days is that, yes, everybody was kind of like, you know, uh, pushing to go faster, and, so, and especially me, because, you know, the drums just is very physical. It was at one point you had to, you know, get that kind of spasm, which is not a normal thing to do for an hour, and chaos and kind of organize it so it becomes a technique so it becomes easy to do on a you know on a daily basis and on a hourly basis if you wish and that's what i remember having to really focus on is making this easy and making this um uh, consistent mm-hmm. from night to night which is it, hard too because it back wasn't then, it wasn't night to night it right. was yeah, a, a gig, a one-off gig here and exactly, there. Exactly, And even at that point, it wasn't consistent on but stage. We practiced a hell of a lot more than you know we do now. We do now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not, not hide that. <laughs> the cryptopsy mentality was um, three times a week minimum, every week, and all year round. You know, no exceptions. No exceptions. Holidays, birthdays. If there was a death. That was the only exception. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but, I mean, it worked for a while, you know? And then uh, things change, and technology changes, people change, and that's just and that's just part of life. And, you know, lots of member changes because of it. You know? Yeah, it's, it's hard to be in a death metal band and keep a solid lineup. You know? Where, where we are now, the longest-running Cryptopsy lineup. Exactly. But, and we're still not making millions. No, but we're still juggling around having multiple projects. And life. Yeah, you right now at this time you've started a new project with uh, David Vincent mm-hmm. and Ruin Erickson called Ultimas. So yep. Let's touch on that a little bit. How sure. did you feel? You've always been someone that's had projects. I was thinking about this question coming here, and I was saying, how did you feel that you'd had enough time in your life and space in your life to start a new big project like this? No, um, I didn't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't feel it. I'm always like thinking that I I don't have enough time to do what I want. But then again, the way I run my life is much different than than other people and um, I'm not a go-getter I don't think I'm a go-getter I don't think I'm you, know, you don't feel I, like you're a hustler I don't think I don't, I don't feel like I am no I enjoy my free time too much and those little moments where I don't want to put pressure on myself I enjoy those moments too much to be a, a go-getter and you know and and what have you that being said i kind of know what i want and i've kind of always known what i wanted to do for a, for a long time and a lot you know i i focus a lot on myself and kind of became kind of selfish at, at, at that level was focusing too much on myself to get to that point um being like at a, at a happy point in your life or being at a career drummer at a career drummer and then, you know, and then a year ago, I kind of just realized, okay, I pushed myself like really hard to get to this level. I, I, I have been doing it for, for 30 years and I've had got good results out of them, you know, uh, results that would satisfy a lot of people. Um, what am I looking for right now? Why do I want to, you know, spend more time um, trying to 
get better and better and better when I could just like kind of like say like, well, let's just kind of perfect what we have now, you know? And I enjoy composing very much. Uh, I enjoy composing with uh, Chris and you guys very much. Just like I, I know that Rune and I, when we compose, we it, it's it's great as well. And we, it's just an excellent relationship that you guys formed when you guys were a part of Nader Set X exactly project together, and as you guys stayed in contact that we wanted to continue uh, on our own, mm-hmm. you know. And we kind of had these kind of visions and stuff like that. And um, you know, I guess it was now four years ago. Yeah, I remember the day when you told me David Vincent is going to sing. And I was like, oh, shit, this thing's going to be big. Which was three years ago. <laughs> yeah, but I remember I remember the day we were driving to Jam, and I was like, oh, oh shit, yeah. this shit's going to be big. And, I mean, at one point you just... <laughs> Steve's going to laugh. You just go big or you go home, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Steve Burns. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, man. That's just that's just the way it is. That's just the way, you know, things happen and uh, we are where we are right now and with you know, with Cryptopsy, we got to we got to get off our asses a little bit because we got um, we got a lot of we got some big shit coming up big that, stuff that coming we need up. to tackle. Exactly. Um, and that's life, you know. At what point is, is it uh, there's three big chefs in the kitchen now when you're writing? Yeah. For Ultimas. How, how does that feel? How does that work? Versus when with Cryptopsy, we're rather democratic, but you normally always have the final say. How, how does that feel working at a different project where it's not you that has the final word? Well, at first it was a little bit, a little bit different, you know, a little bit rough to be very honest, but we live far away. So we didn't have that chance to meet up every week. So we met up for one week. And then it was a little bit rough. And then we met up for a second week, months later. And it was a little bit rough. It was getting a little bit more intelligible. And then we finally, you know, figured out how we operate. Um, And that's a lot of bonding and psychoanalysis. And things just started working. And we found um, an, an area, a geographic graphical location where things are very easy and you know just we kind of eliminated all the uh, outside factors to make composing uh, as easy as possible in the in, in the little time that we had to be together so just like an immersive yes all in one place I knew you go down to Texas so you, you go down to Texas you guys write together kind most of, most of the new material right. for the upcoming record right and, and then and then at that point when that's there then we really, I think, consciously have to put egos aside in some decisions because we're three. So as soon as two jump on, I like this, the one that might not has to say, okay, fine. Has and, to play and, along. And, 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 and repeatedly, repeatedly, that's how we get things done and, and move along because at one point we can't, you just can't. You can't anymore. You, you you can't be a kid anymore. You know what I mean. You have to. You have to grow up, and you have to say, like, you know what? Maybe my my point is not. It's right for you, but it's not right for the band. Exactly, and that's like that for anything, everything in life, right? Everything. But um, when you want to do something, and you have a limited time to do it, and you have no time to uh, deal with bullshit. It also must be helpful at this point that you guys are releasing the second record, and you know that the first record was a success, so you know that things work. Whereas the first time it was more up in the air, 
is this going to work? Is that really the right sound that we want? Now you know what your sound is. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam Dunn from Banger TV had it as his number one metal release from 2019, mm-hmm. which is fucking amazing. Congrats mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we kind of knew what we wanted going to the first album. And that's, I mean, you know, the, the after doing this for so long, um, and you know as well that... You know, Cryptopsy knows very well that if you really, really, really like kind of enjoy and kind of want to listen to what you just did, you know, a few times over and you're happy with it, you know that, you know, a lot of people will be. Not everybody. And that's just impossible. But you know that a lot of people will enjoy it, too. So that's always a frame of mind that I have when I compose. If I if I really, you know, enjoy it, I'm, I'm pretty sure that people around me will enjoy it for different reasons or whatever. But, I'm, you know, so. I think the the thing to get out of that is just do music that pleases you first and foremost, um, and then the rest will kind of follow. Yeah, yeah. If you're on the right platform, of course. Yeah. So many people could actually hear. It. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But that's it, and that's always been kind of the Cryptopsy's mentality. You know, we've always done albums that we we kind of wanted to listen to as well. Which is important. That's before, why we don't play. That's why we don't play pop. Right. Well, before like, trying to please the masses, because that's an impossibility, anyways. You know. Let's go back to drumming. If you could travel back in time, and give yourself Flo Munier at when you started drumming a CD that would help you advance as quickly as possible due to the technicality the 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 effect that it had on you at a later life what CD would that be or album would that be oh um that's a tough one um I mean I've said this before I'll say it again first of all if I didn't have necrosis realm of pathogenia in my life I wouldn't be where I am if uh, if Sean and the Cynic Boys hadn't put out Focus, I don't think I'd be <laughs> um, as as feely um, and as not worldly, but you know, just a little bit more funk, jazz touch uh, that I am now. In this modern metal world, there are so many. I don't know if it's because of the YouTube. I don't know if it's because of anything. In all of the aspects of our genre, in every band, almost everybody is like a prolific player. Who would be the young, up-and-coming drummer that has impressed you the most in the past few years? Someone we've toured with, someone that you've been listening to. You know, there's a lot. <laughs> it's hard. I, I don't know why it is. is there's it, a lot. Is it because of the internet that they have more access to of course, tutorials things or, or things things that take years to figure out on your own? Now it takes minutes. Mm-hmm. At least the information. The information. Yeah. yeah. Um, but information is key. Information is key to everything. Without information, you're left to try to figure it out on your own. Which takes time. Very hard. (laughs) The problem with the internet is there's a lot of different information. So somebody's going to pick it up, you know, faster than somebody else for their personal being is very lucky. Um, But it's there. It's there and there's hours and hours and hours and hours of it. Um, I guess one of the guys that stands out is... um, uh, David uh, Leopold I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing his name properly Chris has recorded him before And uh, he's done a track From our self-titled 
uh, covered it, and he's covered like so many different um, extreme death metal uh, drumming stuff, and he does it really well, and oftentimes better. <laughs> and he makes it look completely effortless. Um, yeah, and that's it. And you know, he's he's. He's one of a few. I, I mean, I, you wouldn't, you, you, there's a lot right now, but there's a lot of music right now, and there's a lot more people on the planet right now. Um, but it takes a certain um, drive and um, you know a, a motivation to do what what these guys are doing. Um, just don't forget to to live, because <laughs> it, it goes by really fast. Some wise words from a wise man. <laughs> Flo, thank you so, so much. So happy to have you on Vox and Hops, finally. We, we've been talking, you know, we, I, I'm always like, okay, I'm going to get him on this tour. We've been I'm talking get about on this that for a tour. long time. <laughs> and then being on tour is always a busy day. So I'm so happy to have sat down with you today. Episode number 100. The pleasure Cheers, is mine. Brother. Cheers. Good luck. Yeah, 100. All right. Hey, thank you so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Flo is a monumental drummer, monumental guest, a monumental episode. Super stoked to have reached uh, episode 100. I love you, Flo. Thank you so, so much for coming and being a part of Vox and Hops. He uh, was absolutely one of my most requested guests. I'm happy that we finally sat down together. There's, uh, as we mentioned in this podcast, there's many moments that I wanted to interview Flo, but it just never came about. Huge cheers to Flo, and everyone should go check out that new Ultimas record. And if he's coming to your town, which he is doing in Europe, he's going on tour alongside Abbott and 1349. If you're out there and this show comes to your town, you should absolutely go there. Devastation on the Nation 2020 is coming up, featuring Rotting Christ, Borknagar, Wolfheart, Abigail Williams, and Imperial Triumphant. I'm super stoked that the Vox and Hops podcast is one of the official sponsors of this tour. Some of these shows have already sold out. More of them are going to sell out. So if you don't have your tickets yet, you should absolutely go and get them right now via the link in the description of this podcast. Or you could simply go to www.metalfestivaltours.com because this is a party that you do not want to miss. I have some stuff in the works regarding a party for Devastation on the Nation. The details for this party will come out shortly. I'm just tickling your interest right now about the subject, but uh, there are some cool things happening behind the scenes regarding a party and devastation on the nation. Let me know what you think about that. I hope that you guys have a great weekend. I love you all. Here's to another 100 Vox and Hops episodes. I hope you remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops says. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network.
Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.